We made it. Made it to the summit. Plant our flag, right? All right. Small representation here of the 365 prayer flags that you saw in recent weeks flying all around. Um, So those are not gone. Um, So many praises there and so many prayer requests and so many things um, that were pieces of who you are, right? Pieces of who we are. Uh, just a question for you: Did did you have a prayer flag up? Yeah. You know, some of you, some of you did. I, I was, I was just kind of doing the math, and I'm like 365. Not everybody had a had a prayer flag, right? You know, in terms of like people in our community and just participation and just in just living that out, you know. And you know, I, I get it. Sometimes that that's that's just not our thing. We keep those things inside. You know, sometimes we have difficulty asking for prayer. Sometimes we have difficulty kind of letting some of these pieces of who we are out of the box. And um, I just want to tell you that that limits your experience of God and his design for community. And, um, and that, as a pastor, that pains me. As I've gone through this teaching this week, I've, I've written three different versions of this talk. I have no idea what's coming out this morning. Okay, but I can tell you it's, it's already had a number of tears involved with it. Um, so forgive me if something breaks inside of me. Um, I'm not really sure what's happening. Um, we're just going to go with it. Um, and, and as we talk this morning, what we're trying to do is, is we're at the summit and we're kind of looking back on the Sermon on the Mount. And so we're just going to spend a little bit of time doing a recap. And then obviously we're going to the communion table. Um, but before that happens, I just want to pause and, and just pray and, and honor the fact that God is here with us. Like, God is with us. <laughs> I mean, like, this should be a joyful place, right? I mean, God with us, to have that reality, to, to be able to experience him, to be able to know him. And some of us, you know, we don't know what it means to have intimacy with God. I think it's part of my pain this morning is like when you've when you've sat at the banquet table with God and you know how good it is and then you you see people that that are that's that feel like they're far away from him I just want to be one voice this morning that just says like God is good okay and and if you need somebody to tell you that you know does anybody else want to want to proclaim that this morning would you be interested in proclaiming that you know I mean find somebody that is raising their hand and say, take me out to coffee and pour some life into me, okay? Uh, th- this, is, this is part of what community is, you know? And so as we, as we talk about this morning, um, as we go into communion and stuff, you know, we're going to be talking about life with God and life with people. Um, but let's just acknowledge God's presence. Let's pray. Father, we sit humbly in your presence this morning. We, we ask that you would open our understanding that we could be in awe of you. That we may not take this gathering for granted, these people for granted, the freedom that we had to come here this morning for granted. Lord, show us the good things and stir up gratefulness and thanksgiving in our hearts 
Lord, show us what abundance means to have life with you and life with each other, that we might experience joy, we might experience healing, that we might not just talk about you or know about you, but that we may have your power inside of us and being shown through our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, so um, Sermon on the Mount. You know, when Jesus, when Jesus kind of started out here and we, we started out our, our journey with the Summer on the Mount, the Sermon on the Mount, we started out with the Beatitudes. You know, Jesus really just giving his manifesto. You know, we're going to read that at the end of our time together this morning. But I just want to give you like a little quick recap of some of the things that Jesus taught us about as we, as we went through this series, just to kind of refresh our memory, right? So he taught us that we were salt and light. For those of us that would say, I'm a follower of Christ, you know, and we acknowledge it, that as we gather here this morning, some of us are not followers of Christ. Some of us are, we're seekers. Some of us are in that place where we're, we're trying to figure out, like, do I actually believe Jesus? Is he trustworthy? Can I commit my life to him? Can I give him everything that I am, you know? And so good job showing up and good job seeking. And, and Jesus promises that when you seek, you will find. For those of us that are followers of Christ, then he says that we're salt and we're light, right? That we're to bring out the God flavors of the world, that we're able to shine his light and his love in the dark places of the world, that we're not to be this kind of holy huddle, that we just kind of show up here and, and, we, and we praise God, but that, that we praise God the same way in our cubicle, you know, or, or underneath the hood of a car, or cleaning out somebody's sewer pipe, or whatever it is that we do as an occupation, as work in the world to make it a better place, to bring grace, that, that we would be light in those spaces, right? He taught us about the law. The law wasn't going away, but that he was going to fulfill the law. He taught us about anger. Anger equals murder, right? Uncomfortable conversations. You know, so I would, I would guess, you know, like probably we've all experienced anger at some point in our lives, you know, malice towards somebody else. Maybe we justified that with some kind of, well, they did something to me, so they've wronged me, they've harmed me, right? And Jesus says, that's, that's not how it works in the kingdom of God. Like anger is, is murder, and so what God desires and what God wants to bring forth in us is love for our enemies, is care for our enemies, to actually do good to them, right? That's, that's what following Christ means. That's what he tells us. Talk about lust, right? Lust equals adultery, right? We, we draw lines and, oh, I didn't do the physical act, and Jesus is like, there are no lines. <laughs> your, your heart wasn't to please God, You're, it was using some other person for your own personal fantasies, right? You're, you were lusting it. That's the same as adultery. Just these, these great equalizing, uncomfortable statements, awkward statements, you know, things that we don't really like sit around uh, the coffee table and, and talk about a lot of times, you know. Spend times we've got, I spend time talking with other guys sometimes, and um, I always, because I've struggled with lust specifically in the past and, and really like watching my eyes, you know, I'll watch other guys' eyes, you know, and I'll see how much eye contact they make, 
see how their peripheral vision is, is at work when, when a pretty girl walks by in yoga pants. Yoga pants are just awful. Ladies, I'm just telling you, okay? Love your brothers and, and keep the yoga pants in your house or something. I don't know. You know, it's just, there's just this thing where we can love each other and then we can have freedom, you know? It's like, hey, I'm free from yoga pants. They don't bother me anymore. But I know a lot of guys that struggle with them, right? It, these kinds of things. But, it, but it's one of those things that as, as, we, as we get into it, it's like Jesus isn't trying to create rules. He's trying to point us to loving each other, right? Talks about making vows and keeping our vows and just the simplicity of like, if you say you're going to do something, then do it. And if you say you're not going to do something, then, then don't do it. And don't add to it, and don't try to justify it, and don't try to make excuses, and, and those kinds of things. Just let your yes be yes, and your no be no. Like, be centered and grounded in truth, right? Talks about revenge, getting back at people, right? And then judging, because, because we can become the judges of other people. You know, well, they deserve this, you know? I have a guy uh, that, that owes me uh, some money, and, it, and, and it's been like three months now, and, it, and he's refused to pay me, and, and, and he's ignored me, and I'm just like, really? How am I supposed to deal with this as a follower of Christ, with, the, with this brother of Christ, you know? How, how, how can I have compassion on him, and how can I pray for him, and how can I support him, and how can I follow biblical instruction in loving him and, and encouraging him gently and humbly, Right? Such difficult things, because sometimes you just want to go wring his neck, you know? Our hearts wrestle with these things, right? All about giving to the needy, and, and, and how if, if someone asks you for something, then if you can meet their need, then you should bless them, Then you should just show them love, you know? It's just a, an odd thing, you know? And then giving so that you're not having a, a wrong motivation. Giving out of, the, out of that generosity and freedom and sacrifice that just says, I'm doing this as an act of worship to God. I'm not doing it because, hey, well, if so-and-so sees me, they're gonna think I'm an awesome pastor. They're gonna think I'm a good person. But to be able to just have the, the freedom of giving so that your left hand doesn't know what your right hand is even doing. There's no transference, there's no passing, there's, there's no risk analysis, <laughs> risk analysis in our giving. Oh man, we do that all the time, right? Got to store up for my rainy day. I'm sorry that you're hungry, but like, I need to go on a cruise later this year, you know? I mean, these kinds of things where it's like, the things that we value and the things that we're saving for and the things that we're investing in, and we go, are these the things that Jesus would be happy about, that he would, that he would approve of, that he would be pleased by in our care for one another and our love for one another, you know? That's why we have funds like the Acts 2 Fund that, that help us care for people in our community in need. He taught us how to pray, right? Talked about our focus being on God and then that, that everything comes from him and he knows our needs and the importance of forgiving other people so much so that he even made this really uncomfortable statement that if we don't forgive other people, that our Heavenly Father will not forgive us. 
See, there's this thing about grace that, that if we claim to be recipients of grace, then we must be sharers of grace. Like, it can't be just a recipient. We can't, we can't just, you know, come to God with our Dixie cup and say, I don't want to overflow. Can you give me just enough so I'm happy? Right? And Jesus is like, no, that's not the way that works. I want to overflow. Not just overflow your Dixie cup. I want to increase your capacity, and, and I, want to, I want to bring forth those wells of living water inside, right? True freedom. Forgiveness. Taught us about money and possessions, you know, that we can't serve God and money. We can't, we can't you know, go and, and, and spend, you know, 60 or 70 or 80 hours a week trying to make it and still be relationally healthy with God or with a spouse or with kids, with friends, or serve your community and be focused on the kingdom of God because a follower of Christ is, is here to, to live out the kingdom of God, right? To bring the kingdom of God on earth. And that's what he, that's what he taught us here. Don't judge others. The power of prayer, the golden rule, the narrowness of this walk, right? And as we're kind of recapping, you go, man, this really is narrow. This is, this is kind of like a tightrope walk. How do we do this, right? And we can do it freely because of grace. Because this isn't some kind of measuring stick that God is holding up and saying, look, you know, do this or, or you fail. No, it's, it's the instruction. It's here's the straight path. Walk on it, day by day by day by day. You know, and if, if you can look at, at hindsight, you know, kind of look at, look at the summer. Look at back to the beginning of the year, maybe with those New Year's resolutions. How have you grown in your walk with Christ? How have you grown in your love for God and your love for people? And if we, if we can't mark that somehow, if we can't see the faithfulness of God, if we can't see the story of God unfolding in the depth of a relationship with people around us, then, then we're wanting. We are hungry. And, and, and some of us, we're, we're starving to death and we're sitting at the banquet table because we refuse to just follow the instruction. We, we refuse to, to eat. We refuse to, to, to live out wisdom. So as we sit here, you know, and Jesus is, is speaking these things, or at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, which, I mean, this is like a 15-minute conversation Jesus was having, right? I mean, he, the crowds were following him. Jesus saw the crowds coming, the masses coming, remember? And, and then he took his disciples and he walked up onto this mountainside. And he, in this 15-minute window, as he's kind of waiting for the masses, the masses are gathering, he started speaking these words. If you just read it straight through out loud, it's, it's not even 15 minutes. And, and the people are coming around, and, and they're, they're like a fly on the wall as Jesus is speaking these really powerful, succinct truths. It's not really like even a sermon. It's more like cliff notes for the kingdom. It's like sermon notes, you know? And, and, and as they're hearing these things, and, and, as the crowds are gathering, they're just in awe of him. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teachings, 
for he taught with real authority, quite unlike their teachers of religious law. They're amazed at his teaching. Or another translation says they're astonished at his doctrine. Right? This was shock and awe. <laughs> like that's what this was. This wasn't like a smooth on-ramp, you know, to understanding the love of God. This was bullet points of how the kingdom of God plays out in everyday life. You know? And so as we, as we look at this and as we talk about communion, you know, for, for us and just like for the masses there, for, the, for those people, when they heard this line in the sand being drawn, when they heard these bullet points of the kingdom, when they heard his doctrine, then they had the choice, just like we have the choice to say, is this my doctrine? You know, and as, as a community, as E3, you know, or as the, as the body of Christ, as the church, it's not, community is not built on our doctrine. There's this big movement in the church that says, you know, we, we, we are gathered around our right doctrine. And that's just hubris. Jesus wants us to be centered around his doctrine. That we come to him and say, I'm just here to follow you. Jesus set himself up as the authority. He's the master, right? He's the authority. This isn't commentary or suggestions. Like, this is what life is about. You and I have the same, the same choice. And acknowledging the power of God is not the same as relationship with God. Right? We can come to this place and we can acknowledge, we can say, I believe the Bible, right? But then when, when we go on Monday morning and, and the person is slandering us, if we believe the Bible, if we have a relationship with God, then our lives will look different than what is our common desire, our natural desire, right? So communion with God is going to give us strength in those moments to be able to say, you know what, it really doesn't matter what you say about me because my God has already told me who I am, right? Just like that song, that, past, that last song that Pastor Eric was, was leading us in, you know? It's like, you tell me who I am, right? There's such freedom in that, such freedom in this communion with God and this relationship with God. So when we come to the table, when we come to a gathering at E3, you know, it really, doesn't it really doesn't matter what the specific instance is. When we gather together in community, what are we interested in, right? Because the, as, a, as a follower of Christ, a follower of Christ is interested in receiving from God and then getting to that place of the, the living well. I'm receiving grace and then I'm going to overflow to others. So I'm going to receive and I'm going to share, right? So I'm going to come to church, and my desire for some of us is like, well, I just need to be filled up. I mean, hey, I'm, just, I'm coming to E3 because I'm getting my Jesus on. I'm getting my Jesus fix. I, man, this has been a tough week, and, and I need to be filled up, right? And that's, and that's okay. You know, some of us are at that place. But I want you to know that the story of God does not end there. Communion 
is that now I say I have been filled up and now I will be poured out as a drink offering. Now I will be poured out to my brothers and sisters. I will be emptied again. I will give everything that I am without worrying about holding on to these reserves because I know that God is more than enough and he will continue to fill me as I am not just a cup, but I'm a conduit. The grace of God passes through me and there is an unending supply. There's no low pressure on God's side. It is, it is exceedingly abundantly above all we expect or desire, right? And we know that when we live in our daily lives that sometimes we're not experiencing these truths. And if we will examine our lives, we will find that it is oftentimes because our communion is not only with God. I don't mean that, you know, everything that you have to do is has to be has to have the Jesus fish on it, right? I'm going to go to my Christian ultimate frisbee group. My Christian I'm going to play Christian softball. You know, I'm going to I'm going to throw a Christian baseball and hit it with a Christian bat carved out of the cross. I mean, uh, this is ridiculous, right? You know, all these, all these little like those things aren't Christian. They're not Christ-like. You know? <laughs> it's pointless, right? I can be Christ-like. I, I'm supposed to be a follower of Christ. If my communion is with God, I'm supposed to go play on the city league and shine the light and be salty, you know? That's what I'm, that's what I'm supposed to do. But for some of us, when I say our communion is not with God, it's because we're not taking God with us. We are not acknowledging the presence of God where we go. That God is always before us, that he is always with us, that he is always behind us, that he has our back. Our communion is not with God because when we walk out of the doors of E3, we leave Jesus here. And we don't take him in the car with us. And we don't take him to the bar with us. You can take Jesus to a bar. Sure you can. Done it. Just have a group of guys. We, we get together and we, we drink a few beers, throw darts, maybe a couple beers. We spend about four or five hours hanging out together. Had a number of occurrences where I'd meet somebody in that bar. And right there, as I found out that they didn't have a job, as I found out that their marriage was on the rocks, I'd pray for him out loud in a bar because Jesus is always with us. The question is, are we experiencing him? Are we loving him? Are we taking him with us? Are we acknowledging his presence? There is nowhere that we can go that God isn't there. Like that's the truth. There is no person, even if they seem like your enemy, that God is not at work with, trying to draw them into relationship with him. And as we've learned in this series, they may not ever be able to see Christ, but they can see Jesus in you, can experience the unconditional love that God offers, right? I mean, I love to get unconditional love. My wife has taught me so much about unconditional love, right? Forgiving me. Forgiving me of adultery, you know? 
looking at pornography, right? Six years of my life uh, spent with that addiction, right? It came to the point of confession to her. And what unconditional love I experienced and the first words out of her mouth were, I'm so sorry that you had to go through that alone. Oh man, that's grace. <laughs> now over the next few days, she experienced the human side of it. <laughs> and we talked through the pain and that I had caused and why that existed, right? But we had communion. We had communion, we had fellowship because now she knew parts of me that I'd been hiding in fear, been hiding in, in weakness, I've been hiding in addiction. And then we were able to experience communion, right? Freedom. No longer bound by those things. My wife said to me two nights ago, I just came home and she just had tears in her eyes and she just like gave me a hug and she just said, thank you so much for being faithful to me. And, I, and I've been faithful to you. You know, the, these experiences of just goodness, you know? We just speak these words of life where it's communion. When we gather together, when we, when we, when we look into each other's eyes and, and we're able to say, I'm so thankful for you. I want you to know I'm so thankful for you that you would show up in these places. You men, I'm so thankful for you that you are, are leading. You men that are part of authentic manhood, I'm so thankful for you that you show up and you, and you hear my heart and you listen to me and you pray for me. I got a text from one of the guys last night and just said, hey, I know you're teaching tomorrow. I want you to know I'm praying for you. I can't tell you how thankful I was for that communion, for that community, for that love, for that care that a brother was thinking of me, right? The ladies at She Three that are gathering in their, in their growth groups and ministering to one another and forming even smaller groups for those, for those women that have you know, um, husbands who are not followers of Christ and getting together and just caring for one another and loving each other and speaking words of life to each other. For those people that are coming in and having counseling conversations and saying, teach me how to be free from anger. Teach me how to be free from lust. Teach me how to love my wife. Teach me how to love my husband. Teach me how to be healthy in my heart and in my mind and in my spirit and with my body. Those people that are showing up on Tuesdays and Thursday nights in community experience communion as they work out and sweat together for the glory of God, being good stewards of their bodies. It's not just showing up at a gym. There's a spiritual reason and purpose and focus that goes with it. It's communion. Life with God and life with people. Now, when we experience these things, when we hear these truths, when we see these things going on, you know, for those of us that have experienced the goodness and we want more of it, we're hungry and we know where the food is and we're going to go and get there, then it starts creating these things inside of us. It, it creates empathy, right? You know, somebody comes and they, they admit their weakness and we don't tell them that, that they're a crappy Christian. We bear their burden and we love them and we speak words of life, and we text them, and we call them, and we meet with them, and we're willing to give of our time and of our lives, poured out as a drink offering, being willing to be inconvenienced, because it's such an inconvenience to be used by God as a blessing to our brothers and our sisters. 
that we would rejoice with each other, that we would bear one another's burdens. And if we aren't doing these things, then we're an amputated limb, right? Then we're not part of the body of Christ. We may claim to have him as our father, but, but if we are off doing our own thing, it, it, we don't realize that we're necessary. And if we, if we don't have an appetite for these things, then when we hear them, it begins to stir up in our hearts this disdain and this, this judgment. Oh, you just think you're so holy, Dan. <laughs> no, you're just you self-righteous jerk. Is this thing over yet? You know. We, we get this, this attitude in our minds and our hearts because we despise weakness, and that is so unlike our God. He does not despise our weakness. He knows that we're dust. You know, Old Testament describing Jesus said that, that he, if he saw a bent reed, it was bending over, it was, it, was, it was to the point where it was breaking that he wouldn't even just kick it over, right? Or as the vine dresser, you know, the, the vines grow and, and, they, and they, they're bearing fruit and they, they get so heavy that they're in the dirt and the vine dresser comes and he lifts them up and he props them up and he prunes away the things that are dead and he washes away and makes it clean. He doesn't despise the dirt. He says, here, let me support you. Let me help you. Let me bring forth more health. Let me bring forth more fruit, right? Communion. It's intimacy with God and intimacy with each other. This is the grace of life. I just want to read as we started this series, I just want to end the series with Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 5, just the Beatitudes. I just want to encourage you to hear these words. Just close your eyes if you want. Hear these words and, and ask God where he would desire to bring you deeper into communion with him and with the people around you. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice for they will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. 